Welcome to the We Go There podcast. I'm Lexi. And I'm Nikki. And our favorite conversations are when someone starts by saying, this might be TMI, but... Exactly. We go there. Because no topic should be too taboo, especially when it comes to women's health. We ask the questions you may be too afraid to ask and interview the experts to get the answers you need. So we're doing this completely unfiltered. 100%. Okay, let's go there. We are thrilled to welcome a fabulous duo today to the podcast. This is our very first time ever interviewing a couple, and it's going to be juicy. Vanessa is a sex therapist, and Xander is a regular dude. And we're about to dive right into the topic of sex during and after pregnancy. Now, these folks have a reputation for being super honest and maybe a little bit blunt, and so I am definitely excited to see where this conversation goes. Lex? Very, very excited. (laughs) (laughs) welcome thanks so much we're really excited to be here yeah let's let's dive right in folks so okay Vanessa you're a sex therapist what does a sex therapist primarily do yeah I'm I'm glad you're starting with that because I think there is a lot of confusion around like what exactly is sex therapy um so sex therapy the simplest explanation is that the goal is to help you have a healthy and happy sex life and so there are a lot of different things that can encompass it could be you know learning how to experience more pleasure during sex understanding your libido balancing mismatched libidos um, overcoming trauma learning how to be more present in the moment um, learning better technique too so it kind of all over the place, lots of different topics, but the basic idea of helping you have a healthier and happier sex life. I mean, I like it. I think we we all like it. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's perfect summary. And I think everyone needs a little bit of that in their lives probably. Yeah. It's really unfortunate that it's, you know, it's such a tiny field. A lot of people don't even know it exists or a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions about it, but it's a very professional field. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, we all have sex, we all have some form of sexuality. And so it's really a shame that we don't have more people, you know, helping guide us through this process or a greater understanding of like, yeah, sex is important. It's something that's pretty central to our lives. So we should talk about it. We should work on it. Yeah. And a lot of people may go to see a couples therapist. And unfortunately, most couples therapists don't have a lot of training in sex therapy specifically. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people may have the experience of going to therapy and starting to talk about sex and kind of the therapist being like, well, we can talk about the emotional aspects of it, but that's kind of where it stops for me. Mm -hmm. And so with sex therapy, it's like everything is on the table. You can talk about the emotional stuff and also like physical tips of things that you can try and things that you can do. Yeah. And in, it's interesting, like you said, right before we jumped on in talking about sex. So I feel like we should start there because you mentioned right before we started is a, a lot of what we want to talk about today is linked to sex, you know, during pregnancy and postpartum. But you said at the very beginning, like it starts at the talking about sex. So can you can you share that with everyone? Yeah. So this is something that we actually kind of uncovered in the process of of expanding our business. Um, It used to be just me working here and Xander, I tried to, you know, over several years, convince him to like join the business. Let's talk about sex together as a couple. I finally convinced him about a year, year and a half ago. 
And so we started, you know, on our Instagram account, we started doing daily stories where we would talk about sex just as a husband and wife. And like, here are the things that we go through. Here are some of the challenges that we had. Here are the things that, you know, we try to do. And we just started to get such great feedback from our audience of people saying, it's so refreshing to see like a couple talk about it. And now I realize like, maybe I should be talking about it with my partner too. And so I think the reality is that the vast majority of people, even though we're having sex, we're not talking about sex. And that can lead to so many problems. And it can also just lead to not having a particularly enjoyable or exciting sex life. Like if we're not acknowledging, you know, even acknowledging what it is that's happening or not talking about it. So as we've continued, you know, doing more of those stories and talking more openly about our own relationship, yeah, we're realizing like, ooh, this is definitely a need <laughs> out there. Yeah, because it's definitely different hearing from, like hearing a piece of advice from an expert versus actually seeing two people like put it into practice in real life. So I think I, I'm really happy to be a part of this now for a long time, I kind of, I fell into the trap of being like, well, no one really cares to hear my perspective. Cause like, I haven't done any training in this. I'm not an expert in this, but then, you know, I've kind of come to realize like, well, actually just being a regular person is the right qualification because like everybody else out there, or it's not like two experts in sex, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, talking about it together. It's like two regular people talking about it. So it's, it's, it's cool to be able to just have those like normal conversations. I love that. And I think that there's a lot of, however, like this concern about ego, right? Like I don't want to bring something up about sex. I want to talk about it. I don't want to hurt my partner's feelings. Is mm -hmm. that not a theme that you, you feel is frequent? So this is one of the problems that comes up if we don't talk about sex, that most of us, you know, we don't talk about it. And we, all of this kind of tension and frustration starts building within us because, you know, who hasn't had the experience of like, oh, my partner's doing some like move on me that I'm not really like a big fan of, <laughs> but I'm not saying anything. And then all of a sudden it's been 10 years and they think oh, that God, this move, like, works really well, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, what typically happens for people is they don't talk about sex for months, years, even decades. And then they just get so fed up that finally what comes tumbling out is like, I hate that move that you do, or you never initiate sex. You never want to have sex. You've never given me an orgasm. So it comes out in these like, you know, aggressive ways. And I think also a lot of times when people even just think about the idea of talking about sex, you immediately go into having to give negative feedback. Mm -hmm. But that is really not the only form of sexual communication. And we really think that should not be the first form of sexual communication that you go to. Like, yeah, of course, if the very first conversation Xander and I ever had was me telling him, like, I hate that move that you do. Stop doing <laughs> it. Like, of course, his ego is going to be hurt. He's going to be like, I don't want to talk about sex ever again. Yeah, right? like, where, where did where where is this coming from? Yeah, yeah. So instead, like we really encourage couples to take a totally different approach and first focus on just getting comfortable, like saying the words out loud. And so a great starting point is just to like start giving your partner compliments. So you're not trying to achieve or accomplish anything. You don't have any specific goals. You're not trying to give them any feedback. It's literally just getting more comfortable saying like, oh, I really like the way that you kissed me. Or I liked when you grabbed me and threw me on the bed the other day. You know, for so many of us, it's like we just even have to get comfortable saying those sex related words out loud. And the other, the other issue with never talking about it or very infrequently talking about it is it's so easy for each 
person and the couple to end up with kind of different mismatched expectations about what your sex life should entail. And, and this definitely comes into play like during pregnancy and postpartum as well. Like if you're not talking about, you know, what the expectations are for your sex life or for how things are going to change, then it's so easy for one person to have an idea of what they are expecting and the other person to have a totally different idea or just like life catches up with you and the idea that you have is not feeling very practical anymore. But if you can't talk about that, then it's just like, what are your options? Your options are probably just like, okay, well, we're just not going to do this or someone's Mm going to be upset. Someone's going to be disappointed. So I think so much of it always comes back to talk. The the first step to most things is talking (laughs) about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's it's such a, it's such a good point. And, and linking to, I guess, pregnancy and often there could be an imbalance of, and it could go both ways. It could be that, you know, a woman's hormones are raging and they want to have sex all the time, but then the husband is having, you know, challenges with, you know, the fact that they're worried they're going to like poke the baby. (laughs) It's a thing. The classic, I'm going to hurt the baby. And you're like, yeah, your, your penis is that big, but also that narrow at the tip that it's going to go up in the cervix. So with the imbalance, and then obviously the other way where, you know, a woman's just not feeling at her best, like, I don't even want you near me, you know, like for me, my boobs finally get to like a real nice size, but it's like, don't even think you're going to go near these. (laughs) Like, it's just Mm -hmm. not, they're off limits. So painful. Like, it's just not okay right now. Like those types of imbalances. So what's your, like, how do couples, I guess, navigate that territory in like pregnancy? I think the most important thing for people to know with pregnancy is that each couple is going to have such a unique journey. So I think sometimes, you know, because we we don't talk about sex that openly, I think people sort of go into it either not really realizing there are going to be any changes whatsoever, or, you know, we hear things like, oh, you know, the first trimester is going to be this way or the second trimester is going to be that way. And the reality is it's just so unique for everyone. And so, you know, to go into it expecting and seeing if you can even be sort of curious and open-minded about like, yeah, what sort of changes are going to come up for me? Am I going to feel more of a sex drive, less of a sex drive? Are there going to be certain parts of my body that like the sensitivity changes? Maybe I used to love having my breasts played with, but now it's like, no, please back away. Um, Versus like, yeah, maybe never, I never liked having my feet touched, but now it's like, oh, like, please. Um, So kind of having that open-mindedness of what might change, what might shift, um, and letting yourself have like your own unique journey in it. Yeah. It allows a lot of breathing room. I think there's a lot of expectations, like even like some movies like Hollywood. I think it was a, the chick from Grey's Anatomy cat that, you know what I'm talking about? Anyways, it was like knocked mm-hmm. up or something. And she's like so horny in pregnancy. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'll be honest, like I was like, okay, it's going to be great. And I remember even randomly oh, yeah. having a student I don't know where I was like in my second trimester and she's like, isn't, isn't second trimester pregnancy sex the best? And I felt uh-huh. so awkward because I was like, I don't want anyone touching me. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, but it's funny I mean, how like people project a little bit. Right. And then we absolutely. have this narrative in our head that it's going to be a certain way and it's not. Yeah. And we've had people like bring, you know, in our community, bring up like this sadness of, oh my gosh, I was expecting that I was supposed to have all this wild, crazy sex. And like that never happened. And it makes, we're, it's just so easy for us to feel like we're broken or there's something wrong with us. So I think not having those expectations of like, oh yeah, 
everyone is going to experience this. The second trimester is always like that, you know? Yeah. It's, you know, it's like you get on the one hand, the stereotypes of like what, you know, like, oh, I'm going to be wildly horny or something like that. And then on the other hand, I feel like from like medical professionals, you get these really broad guidelines or like, you know, pieces of advice that are just meant to like not kill you or, you know, not, not and make you end up in the hospital. And so it's like, you know, there's this whole middle ground that's kind of missing in terms of you know, what to yeah, what to expect. You know, it's like a whole range of things. And the only way for you to know is to go through it and feel mm-hmm. into what it's like for you. Mm-hmm. I love in your bio that you sent us that you actually have like actual sex tips. And I was hoping you could dive into some of those. You call them totally doable sex tips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Give us a category of uh, that you want us to get into. Oh my gosh. There's categories. <laughs> what category? <laughs> Okay, what are the categories? So we could talk about so sex tips <laughs> under each category. Is it like body body part? <laughs> no, I mean we could talk about, you know, we could talk about foreplay tips, we could talk about sex positions, we could talk about sexual communication, initiating sex. Oh wow. The possibilities are endless. <laughs> okay, Nikki, you go first. Which one do you want to know? I feel like we need something from each category. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's start start with um, sexual communication since we're on that topic. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, we we suggested before like the idea of starting talking about sex by giving compliments to your partner. So you know, start off in that area. That can be like just a great baby step for a lot of people. And then the second tip that we give from there is to start talking about sex right after you've just had it. So a lot of people feel embarrassed, like bringing up sex. It feels sort of awkward to like, what, I'm just supposed to start talking about it. And so we really like the idea of talking about it right after you've just had it because you've just had it. So there's like some subject matter in front of you. And you also have like specific things that just happened that you can speak to. So again, keep the focus positive. Like you want to work on getting comfortable talking about sex for a while before you start bringing up any sort of like, Hey, I'm not really loving this. Or like, this is something different that I would like. So talk about the specific things that you really liked from that event that you just had. Like, Ooh, you were, you were kissing me on my neck. And I don't think you've ever kissed me before like that. It felt so good. Or I really loved that position that we were doing. So it's just such a nice, um, of it's a very natural conversation opener, but a lot of people just don't think to really do it at that time. Yeah. And one more quick tip around sexual communication is if there's something that you would like more of or something that you would like to try, perhaps that you're curious about, and you feel a little awkward bringing it up, a really great trick that we recommend is you can just say, Hey babe, like I had a dream last night that blah, blah, blah happened. (laughs) What do you think? And that's just like a really low pressure way to kind of like drop a hint or Mm -hmm. just to gauge, you know, your partner's reaction without it being with, without having to be like, okay, there's this thing I've been thinking about for a really long time, you know, (laughs) building up this, this sort of pressure or like building up the stakes for how that conversation goes. It's just a casual way to work it into conversation. Mm -hmm. I like that. That's great. Yeah. It really gives you a chance to like, get you know, see what your partner's reaction is. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah, I had no idea I would be turned on by this, but that dream was pretty sexy. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's (laughs) right. Cause you know, you, you can blame it on the dream in the dream. It was really hot. (laughs) So maybe, maybe we just may as well try that. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. That's a great Um, tip. That's a great tip. 
Yeah, we love that one. It's a yeah. good one. <laughs> okay, so that's one category, sexual communication. Um, what about initiating sex? Ooh, that's a good one too. Okay, so I think the thing that a lot of us get wrong with initiation is that we want it to feel like really spontaneous and just out of nowhere. We don't want to have to make the effort to actually like invite your partner to have sex with you. Which arguably isn't really initiation if it's completely spontaneous because spontaneous means it just happens, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like no one's actually initiating that. Yeah. So one of our, so our overall advice for people with initiating is it's really important to be like slowly work towards becoming more direct about your initiation rather than trying to like, you know, I think a lot of us have experience of like, we're sort of trying to initiate, but not really like we're trying to give our partner the look and they're like, what's in your eye, babe? (laughs) Like we hear from a lot of heterosexual couples. A lot of women will say like, does my husband's really think like you can just come up behind and grab my boobs and that's going to turn me on. Or like, he, you know, he just grabs my hand and puts it onto his penis. Like, does he really think that's going to work? So we've, we've got to get a little more skillful at it. So one of our, um, our favorite baby steps for this, if you're feeling really shy, really uncomfortable is to come up with some sort of like code code word, code phrase, or even like special code action that means you want to have sex. So you and your partner talk about it beforehand, like, and say, okay, what's some sort of like funny inside joke between the two of us, or what's our favorite song that always gets us in the mood. So it could be, you know, yeah. When I say the code word or the code phrase, that's what it means. It could be when I put that song on, that's me telling you I'm interested. And you can even do subtler things. Like, um, if I put my scrunchie or my bracelet on my bedside table, that means, Hey, I'm, I'm open. I'm curious. So I think this can be a really fun, it can feel very fun and very playful. It's like a way to incorporate, um, you know, like an inside joke between the two of you. One that's popping to mind is, um, we heard from one set of parents in our community that said they used to always tell their kids, um, that they were going to like do their taxes. And that was like the way of, you know, telling, not telling the kids that, uh, they were having sex, but like, we need some privacy. We're, you know, working on the taxes. And so even when their kids were grown and out of the house, they would still use that like as their code phrase, like you want to go do the taxes. So it's just like an opportunity to bring in an inside joke between the two of you and make sex feel more lighthearted and playful rather than this like, oh my God, this is so scary. I have to go initiate with my partner. That's really I love the scrunchie and the taxes. That's what's yeah. standing out for me. Oh, another good one is like come up with an emoji. You know, is there a certain emoji? So you could go obvious and do like the eggplant or something like that. Or do some, again, do like another funny inside joke. Like what's your favorite emoji? Is there some weird story behind it? And like, then you're just texting it to each other. Yeah. Those are great. I really like that. Let's go do our taxes. Yeah. <laughs> like mom the most, and dad do most taxes fun you'll ever have doing your taxes. I know. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's the truth. Okay. And then what are the other ones? Sex positions. Is that one? Is that who it was? Oh yeah. Yeah. We can do a sex positions tip. Yeah. We have a, um, we have a sex positions playbook that we created that goes through like 42 different positions and we got really specific with it of like exactly how to get into the position, how to move in the position, how to get out of it, how to transition in between them. And we do have a category for pregnancy in there because we know that that can be a struggle for a lot of people. Um, But one fun tip around sex positions is to make 
little adjustments to your favorite position. So I think a lot of times people think of sex positions and they think it has to be something like really wild and elaborate and totally yeah. different from what they yeah. do. And also very precise. Like you have to, it has to look exactly like it does in this kind of like crappy illustration <laughs> or very cheesy <laughs> picture that, you know, is in this really cheesy guide. <laughs> when we were releasing our guide, we did the, so the reason we created it in the first place is because I have had this like weird fascination with collecting sex position books <laughs> and they're all so bad. So we did, we reenacted some of the worst positions that we found in those books while we were fully clothed. We have a highlight of it on Instagram. I think it's in funny too. Um, and it was just, like, there were ones where the, like the woman was supposed to be on her hands in a handstand and the guy's like crouching. I'm like, yeah, how no. is this working? This is not possible. Oh my God. Um, so I think that's what a lot of people have in mind when they're like, Oh, try a new sex position. We've got to do something really wild, but you can actually make a sex position feel very different just by shifting a little bit of an angle. So maybe it's putting a pillow under one of your butts. Maybe it's like shifting your weight. So you're leaning more on one side than the other. Um, one of my favorite examples of this is with woman on top or like cowgirl position is to have her partner sit up. So if you have like a bed with a headboard, you can put some pillows behind it or something like sitting up. So the partner's just changing the angle of their body a little bit, but it actually feels very different for the woman. So little shifts like that can actually make a big difference. Yeah, wow. similarly, like in, in missionary, you know, the person on top can adjust the amount that they're kind of pushing up, um, like in a push-up position. And that can really really um, in a major way kind of adjust how it feels for both partners. Yeah. And they can feel less intimidating too, to like, okay, I already feel pretty comfortable being on top. Let me just try a few little tweaks to this rather than feeling like I have to come up with some like wildly creative, totally new thing. Yeah. Definitely. Where do people find this book on yeah. your website? Like yeah. Yeah. We have it at vmtherapy.com. Um, yeah. We have a ton of guides there and that's one of our newest and one of our favorite. We did a lot of research. On yeah. It. yeah. It should, it should be in the online courses section of our website. I need to see what your images then look like. Cause they're obviously better than all. Yeah. The we got ones. them illustrated. We worked with this really amazing illustrator. Um, and so we have actually useful illustrations of it rather than like weird sepia toned pictures or like little bizarre <laughs> cartoons where you're like, I don't want to imagine these cartoons having sex. Yeah. So it's really fun. <laughs> oh, amazing. So, so good. What categories did we miss? Um, let's see. We could do like a, um, a foreplay. Oh yeah. yeah. Foreplay. We missed foreplay. All right. Yeah. Okay. How many people um, miss foreplay? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So first of all, is I'll say foreplay overrated. <laughs> no, we actually hate the word foreplay. We use it because everybody knows what you mean when you say foreplay. But I think that that word implies that these other activities, like using your hands or your mouth on each other, that these are somehow lesser than intercourse or that they only happen before. Yeah. We do it for like a minute or two and then we move on to like the real deal. And the reality is that intercourse, especially if you're talking about a heterosexual couple, like intercourse is tends to be not the most pleasurable activity for women. Like our bodies just are not designed to feel a lot of sensation from intercourse. So the fact that we emphasize it and prioritize it so much actually is contributing to this huge orgasm gap between men and women. Um, so 
I'll say that first, but then let me give, uh, let me give a foreplay tip about blowjobs, because this is something that we hear a lot in our community that they feel really, people feel really nervous about. So my best, one of my best blowjob tips is to use your hands. <laughs> so I think a lot of, a lot of women think of a blowjob and it's like, you're only allowed to use your mouth. That's like what makes it count. And the reality is that that's really hard. Our mouths are not very big. It's very easy to trigger your gag reflex. So what I like to think about is the mouth provides the wetness, the hand provides the firmness. So use your hand. You can kind of like attach, pretend your hand was like attached to your lips and move in tandem. And so focus on giving more stimulation with your hand and just creating that wetness with your mouth. And you can even use your hand to like, a lot of people will say, well, my jaw gets so tired. I can only do it for a few seconds. Like you can pull all the way up, like give your mouth a little bit of a break and continue using your hand. So you're not having any sort of pauses to the stimulation, but you're giving yourself the chance to have a little bit of a break. Right. Well, there we go. There you, we went there, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I, I can give one more little foreplay tip um, for the guys out there. Cause I know a lot of, a lot of men get concerned when they kind of, when they learn that intercourse is not the most pleasurable activity for their partner, you know, and start thinking, well, oh my God, like, am I supposed to be lasting like two times as long, three times as long? And it's, it's not about lasting that long. Like intercourse is just one of the activities that are, you know, that's on the menu. Like you can intersperse various foreplay activities in between intercourse. So that is not an issue of being like, oh my God, I, I need to be thrusting for 30 minutes. <laughs> and I think a lot of guys just kind of spin out like, oh my, well, like, because it, it goes foreplay, then intercourse. Like I just have to keep on going. It's the only way. And it's like, no, there's like 10 other ways that you can do things. Like this is just one activity. And the good news is it's actually not even the most pleasurable thing for most women. So, yeah. you know, you can, you like, that's, it's, it's not about lasting during intercourse. It's just about, you know, lasting longer throughout the whole experience. Yeah. So like having intercourse, but then you take a break and you focus on using your hands on her or your mouth or a toy, then you can go back to intercourse and you can take another little break, but, you know, giving like for the guy, giving him a little bit of a breather and then giving the woman the stimulation that she needs to feel good too. That's a great tip. And I think with postpartum women, especially like it takes a bit of warming up the engine. I mean, for a lot of women, but I think postpartum so much changes. And so the importance of like really getting warmed up before the say main event, but I love how you guys are speaking of it as it's all the main event. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that intercourse has to be that like main events all in itself. Pleasurable. Yeah. We like to say everything counts as sex, right? Yeah. Everything counts mm -hmm. as sex. So put more options on the table, like be more flexible and you'll, you'll have more pleasure. You'll feel more desire for it. And it's just going to be a better experience for both of you. I love that. What, what do you think are the top issues that you see with couples? So the main issues that we see are mismatched sex drives, feeling like you're, you know, on different pages about how often you want to be having sex and then mismatched enjoyment of sex, where it feels like one partner's getting all that they want, all they need, enjoying it in a, in a heterosexual relationship, typically the guy, whereas the woman tends to feel like, wow, sex, like just doesn't feel like it's for me. I don't get anything out of it. Like 
this is just, you know, I don't understand. It doesn't feel fair. Mm -hmm. So those are like the two main issues that we see come up within couples. And then there are lots of other, you know, pieces like different levels of performance. Anxiety can come up. Um, Exhaustion definitely comes up of like, I'm just too tired to have sex. Like it just feels like yet another thing on my plate or even like yet another thing I'm doing wrong. Like I can't juggle all of it. So that's another big one that comes up. And, and also just keeping the spark alive, feeling like, God, you know, how many times have I had sex with my partner and how many of those times have just been like exactly the same, not feeling very much excitement about it. Um, so those are the main things. And so, yeah, and that, how do we, how do we keep the spark alive? Like, what are your tips for couples in, um, keeping it spicy, I guess, or, uh, just making sure, especially in the chaos of how busy everyone is. I, I always find, you know, sex is like exercise. You never feel worse afterwards. You always feel better. So, but to get to that point when the busyness is there and trying to keep that flame alive around, you know, your sexual side of your relationship, what are some of your tips there? Yeah. So the best tip for keeping the spark alive is one that everybody knows, but none of us are doing it. And that is to try new things in the bedroom. So, you know, if you ask most people to describe their sex lives, they will be able to rattle off to you the exact sequence of events. Like, okay, well, you know, we lie down on our sides in the bed. We take our own clothes off. We kiss for like 30 seconds. My partner will like grab my boobs for like 20 seconds. Maybe we'll each touch each other's genitals for 20 seconds. And then my partner rolls on to me and we haven't, you know, it's like they could really (laughs) give you step-by-step exactly what happens. And so one, like it's not very enjoyable when you can predict every single thing that's coming. And then two, like if you're not enjoying the experience, why would you crave that? Like, why would you feel this like intense, passionate, spontaneous desire for something where you're like, I know exactly what is about to happen. Right. So we've all heard this advice to try new things in the bedroom, but we just don't do it. But it it truly is the, the, the key to keeping that spark alive. Like when we do new things with each other, we're able to kind of see each other and ourselves in a new light. We're able to bring some sense of like surprise curiosity into the bedroom. And we just have different experiences. I mean, you can kind of think about it in comparison to a date night. Like, let's say you and your partner always have like Thursday night date night, and you always go to the exact same restaurant around the corner and you always order the exact same dish. Like, okay, sure. There might be like a little bit of a sweetness to that, but like 10 years of doing that. And you're going to tell me you're not going to get bored. Right. So just like it can be fun to mix things up in, you know, outside of the bedroom and try new things. It's also fun to do it inside of the bedroom. And so I'll say here, like something really similar to what I said earlier, like a lot of times people will hear, try new things in the bedroom. And they're like, now we got to have a threesome or, you know, I've got to tie my partner up and whip him. And that's great if you want to do that, but you can also just do small things like little changes can feel very different. So maybe it's having sex at a slightly different time of day than you usually do. Maybe it's doing those little tweaks on the sex positions that we just mentioned. Maybe it's trying to initiate sex in a slightly different way, using a little scrunchy trick, you know, for the first time. So it's like those little changes, it all adds up. They all make a difference. But the basic idea is that we have to do different things with each other. And also just continuing to talk about sex and talk about intimacy, even if you're in a season of life where it's really 
challenging. So I think a lot of us will go into a place where we go, okay, it's so challenging. I don't have the energy. I'm just going to not talk about it. I'm going to kind of ignore this and hope that it resolves itself. Um, but you know, the reality is if you, you know, you asked about keeping the spark alive, if you want to get really literal with that metaphor, like it, it's much easier to start a fire if there's already like some burning embers than to start a fire from scratch and like build it out of nothing. So, you know, even if you are not able to have very much sex, like just being able to talk about what are the things that you miss about your sex life? What are things that you would like to do when you are feeling up to having sex? Just being able kind of like maintaining that baseline level of intimacy and so that each partner can see that the other one cares about this, cares about intimacy, cares about sex, even though other things are happening. And one of the best ways to like, to keep those little embers alive is to have more touch in your relationship. So a lot of couples, especially couples who are overwhelmed, not having a ton of sex, it feels like I just don't have the space for it. You start avoiding touch because you're like, you know, I don't want to touch my partner and then he gets excited and then we have to have sex and I'm exhausted and I don't want to. And so what happens though, is that you go like longer and longer without touch and you really start to get into that. Like, we're just roommates territory. Like, ships passing in the night. We're just sharing this space, but we're not having any sort of intimacy. And so breaking that connection, like that any sort of touch has to lead to intimacy. So if you are able to, you know, maybe there's a day where all you really feel open to is just holding your partner's hand, like, great, have that moment of intimacy and connection. And like Xander was saying, like, have some acknowledgement of like, man, I really wish we had more than just this 30 seconds of holding hands on the sofa today, but you know what? I'm going to like soak this up today. Um, so having that, like the, the conversations about it, acknowledging what you guys are missing, but also like, again, like I was saying, everything counts as sex. Like let every sort of connection, every moment of connection or physical intimacy, let that count rather than getting this, like, it has to be all or nothing mentality in your head. I think that's my favorite tip. Yeah. <laughs> ah, good. I can relate. Yeah, I can so one. relate. <laughs> and you can get a lot of enjoyment out of those little moments. You know, like, let's just say you've had the worst day and it's just, you know, you are exhausted and frazzled and just fried, you know, and let's say all that you have the energy for is to just cuddle up with your partner and put your head on their chest. Like if you let yourself soak into that moment, like that could be a really enjoyable one minute of connection. Right. Yeah. Keep it's the embers alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a really good tip. Really good tip. Um, keeping the embers alive. Yes. Let's, let's focus on that one for <laughs> sure. And I guess with the, and naturally with, if you're going to have better communication around sex, then the cuddling, like you can just cuddle and say like, I'm, I'm really tired today. You know, I love having sex with you, but can we just cuddle now? I just mm-hmm. need to be held, you know, like, something in and around that. But yeah, it's, uh, these are such great tips. I think it's important to acknowledge it. Cause a lot of times people will say like, Oh, I just don't even want to talk about it. Cause you know, I don't want my partner to get the wrong idea or something. And it's like, your partner knows if you guys aren't having sex, it's not like you saying it, your partner's like, you know what? You're right. I hadn't noticed that. Right. And Mm -hmm. so it's like that basic validation though, of like telling your partner, I know it's been a while. I know that we've been really disconnected and like, I don't want this. And I'm, I'm overwhelmed and I'm overloaded and I've got a lot on my plate, but like, 
I just want you to know this is not what I want. I want us to be in a different place. Like, I just think that feels so validating to the partner to hear because it helps them realize you, you care about them and you love them. And you, you know, you guys want to get back on track, even if it's not possible right in this moment or right in this season, that acknowledgement feels so much better than like you guys just never talking about it. And then it's just that the terrible elephant lurking in the room of like, that's there, but we are just not talking about it. You are very good at what you do. I can tell. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean that sincerely. And you've got a, a podcast I'm looking here called Pillow Talks. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a random question for you, but, and we were just talking about this, Lexi and I, we were looking at like, I don't know which of our podcasts have, has gotten the most lessons, like what tends to be a hot topic that people really want. I'm curious on your podcast, if you know which episode has been the most popular in terms of topic. Okay. So the, our I'm most popular, I'm thinking of two too. Okay. <laughs> which one do you want to share? Um, I'll share the, the one that came out longer ago. Okay. The, the old faithful. All right. You, so- share the, you share the new, new. <laughs> we had a podcast come out within the last two months, I think that immediately like overnight went to being our most popular episode it's so ever. much so that we immediately pushed to make a part two of it <laughs> but, <laughs> stuff. <laughs> but stuff it's the one i told you nikki oh my god yes so we were like mm-hmm. oh they talk about butt sex i'm like oh well are we gonna go there today and we were like i don't know i think we'll just direct people to your podcast people love yeah. butt stuff we were surprised <laughs> we were very surprised we're like okay guys <laughs> and uh, just the, the little teaser is that Butt stuff does not always equal anal sex. There are, uh, <gasps> there's a whole spectrum of things, of ways to enjoy yourself. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll leave it there. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, it's going to continue to be your number one. I can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then on the total other end of the spectrum. <laughs> on, the, on the absolute <laughs> other end of the spectrum. The, the other episode that just continues to perform, we almost didn't record it because we were like, this is so basic. Like who's. Who's going to listen to this? <laughs> it was about what makes a great kiss. Interesting. Really? Yeah, it was, it's really sweet. And we actually, I didn't think we could do this. I was like, how do we describe to people how to kiss? Like, this has just got to be, you know, how do we do this? But we did, we really broke down like specific kissing techniques, how to get better at kissing. And I think the reason that episode really resonated is because we talk specifically about what to do if you don't like the way your partner kisses. Ooh. And I think that is the case for a lot more relationships than you might think. Yeah. Because that's a scary topic to talk about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you do? I have to go listen to your podcast. Yeah, now. yeah we give tips. We give good tips. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, everyone can go listen to your podcast, Color Talks. And then where else? This has been so much fun, by the way. Um, where else Thank can you. everyone find you? Yeah, we would love to connect with anyone in your audience. Um, We'll give you two places to find us. The first one is over on Instagram. Like I was saying earlier, that kind of has come to be the heart of our business of the two of us doing stories together, talking about sex stuff, giving you conversation openers to use with your partner, conversations to have with your partner. So a lot of people have said like just following us on Instagram made a huge 
impact in their relationship. So our handle is Vanessa Marin therapy, um, and definitely check out, we have a, um, a courses highlight. So you can see all the stuff that we offer, like foreplay guides, the sex vision playbook. And, um, we also have a free guides highlight because it's really important to us to give away a lot of content for free. So that highlights there too. Yeah. And then of course you can go to our website, vmtherapy.com. In the top nav, there's links for all of our free stuff and also links for all of our online courses. So all of it is in both of those places. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for today. This has been, uh, I think this is going to be one of our uh, number one episodes, Nikki. (laughs) Yeah, well, definitely some really, like there were a lot of tips. I love episodes with like tip after tip and you have been very generous with those. So thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having us. It's been a lot of fun. Same, same. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at WeGoTherePodcast and check out WeGoTherePodcast.com for more info.